This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. One story every day that matters. Delve into the issues that impact you. Whether you're in need of a better understanding of the world around you or simply seeking inspiration or unique perspectives, you'll find it all here. It's a multi-billion rand industry, but it comes at a great cost to South Africans living along the so-called manganese road. Used in paints, batteries, and chemicals, manganese has become the new must-have metal for mining investors across the globe. And with South Africa being the second largest exporter of manganese in the world, there's certainly a lot of it to go around. As the countless trucks rumble down the approximately 1,000-kilometer road from hot as hell in the Northern Cape to a tiny town called Markman in Pabeja, residents and miners are starting to pay the cost. This special investigation was done by producer Kate Barry. This story sort of presented itself when I wasn't really looking for it. I had traveled down to a family funeral in the Karoo and as we turned off the N1 onto the road between Hanover and Phillipstown, we noticed some roadworks. They were rehabilitating the road, filling the potholes, uh, most of which were on the left-hand side of the road <laughs> if you were traveling south. So my cousin is a sheep farmer and we happened to spot him next to the fence on his farm, so we pulled over to greet him. And while we were standing there chatting, these huge trucks with the side tippers kept whooshing past us. So many of them that eventually I got out my phone and filmed one of them thundering by. We asked my cousin what they were carrying and he said it's manganese from the Kalahari going down to Nelson Mandela Bay to be exported to China. Uh, he also mentioned the terrible state of the roads all the way down and the many accidents these trucks were having on the mountain passes. Now, I had no idea what manganese was, what it looked like or what it was used for, but that encounter got me wondering how the city of Gabacha was coping with so many trucks. So I started doing some research. Our viewers had in fact told us what the impact on the city is, not just on the roads, but on their health as well. Many claimed their lungs were suffering as a result of the manganese dust, which had already been recorded as way over the legislated limits. They said their homes, their water tanks, their boats, even their window frames were being eroded. So I scratched a bit more and discovered very recent scientific studies on the effects of manganese exposure in South African miners as well as on a residential community. I was shocked to discover that a quarter of all manganese miners could potentially have symptoms of Parkinson's disease or what they call Parkinsonian signs. And that's when I realized that this was actually a huge story with national relevance because this toxic dust poses a danger to ordinary citizens. Gabacha is the windy city and the port is virtually in the center of it. And the industrial area of Markman, where manganese is stockpiled, is across the road from Motherwell Township and Wells Estate. And then digging even deeper, I looked at who owns the mines and realized the ANC was benefiting from huge donations and indeed has a vested interest through their investment arm, Chancellor House. So I went on a recce and I was quite shocked by what I saw because once you realize what you're looking at, you wonder how this can be allowed. Um, at the entrance to the port of Port Elizabeth, 
Track after track arrived without any tarpaulins covering the manganese. There were chunks of manganese all lying on the side of the road. The dust was inches thick on the ground and everything was covered in a fine layer of black powder. The road signs, the buildings, the plants and people who were on their way to the taxi rank, which was just, you know, down the road. In Markman, it was even worse. The moment you drive in there, your eyes start stinging. The tar roads have turned to dirt tracks. Hundreds of trucks are grinding up and down and there are uncovered stockpiles of manganese around every corner. Next, I went on a recce to Hot as Hell, which, you know, interestingly, the town has far less dust. So the mining companies might be adhering to legislation on the mines, but down in Nelson Mandela Bay, the municipality is letting the manganese industry run riot. By the way, neither the mayor nor the city manager has bothered to respond to our questions to this day. Many articles have been written about one or other aspect of what I've just told you, but nothing had shown the story and all these elements as a whole. You know, reading about dust is not the same as seeing it. So that's what I tried to do, to map out what I called the manganese road and expose the impact this industry is having on people and places from start to finish. Derek Watts followed the manganese road to see how this booming industry is not only ruining roads and infrastructure, but leaving some people gasping for clean air. It started by chance on a potholed road near Hanover in the Karoo. When the fourth manganese truck in as many minutes thundered past us, we grasped the true extent of our viewers' complaints. And so began a two-month-long investigation into this mysterious industry. A journey that's taken us from the baking corner of the Kalahari down the manganese road to the dust-covered city of Kabeja. We visited towns along the way, punch drunk from the constant battering of 38-ton trucks. People sent pictures of dust clogging their pools, corroding their homes, discoloring their roofs. We spoke to scientists and doctors who confirmed the toxic effects of manganese dust. Manganese exposure is associated with Parkinson's. You could have two persons with the exact same exposure Nothing will happen to the one and the other one will die. We saw the queue of trucks waiting to offload at Port Elizabeth Harbour. But nothing could prepare us for the hellhole that is Markman, the industrial area where manganese is bulk stored. The roads weren't like this when we got here. And we delved into the ownership of the lucrative mines and discovered a network of Chinese, Australian and Russian companies with politically influential local partners. The Kalahari Basin, home to 80% of the world's manganese, a key component of steel and lithium batteries. Mines dotted around Hodazel export millions of tons to China every year, earning billions of dollars in export revenue. This is Hodazel, not quite living up to its reputation today, but it is the tail end of winter. 
Now forget the posh office blocks in Santon. It's in this far-flung corner of the Kalahari that manganese is creating jobs for thousands and making the mining companies fabulously wealthy. But at what cost? Manganese is a neurotoxin and excessive exposure to manganese dust or fumes can cause permanent brain damage. The tremor started first, but slightly. Like, for instance, I tried to test on a fuse box. I couldn't do it anymore because I couldn't pinpoint on the fuse for the tester. Dirk Joster was an auto-electrician, working for a subcontractor on a mine called Mamatuan. His job was repairing air conditioners on the big yellow dump trucks. It's the old Trip 7D cat machines, and it's very confined space. So I had to clean out those evaporators inside, and the only way to do it was by pressure air. Because it wasn't a, a, a dust as such, it's like a powder. And the whole cab was full of that dust. So when I was finished at night, my teeth, my tongue, everything was black, pitch black inside. How old were you when the symptoms first started? You must, excuse me, but, but my memory is it's a bit... I can remember my childhood and everything, but my shorter memory about everything is not that good. Extreme manganese toxicity results in a condition called manganism. I get angry very quickly. That I wasn't like that before, never before. In 2011, at the age of 54, Dirk was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. But the prescribed medication had no effect at all. He also developed blisters on his hands when in contact with manganese. A dermatologist diagnosed severe allergic dermatitis. His recommendation was that you take me off the mine completely. How did you feel about leaving uh, the mine area? It was my life. My work was my life. It's taken away. Really? Yes. Just, just taken away. In 2013, he consulted occupational practitioner Dr. Tidu van der Merwe in Katu. I realized that since he was working in a mining environment, that this might be not Parkinson's, but manganism. Manganism, like Parkinson's, will affect your fine motor skills. That goes through to uh, balance and activities of everyday life. But getting to the final and conclusive diagnosis, that rests with the neurologist. So Dr. Van Amerwe sent Dirk to a neurologist, but his findings were inconclusive. I'm unsure of the final diagnosis I'm translating here. It is not suggestive of Parkinson's disease. In 2013, you were convinced Dirk was suffering from severe manganism. Do you stand by that? I still stand by that. But what about the other mine workers? In 2020, the American Journal of Industrial Medicine published an article on manganese exposure and Parkinsonian signs in South African mine workers. The study was a collaboration between Washington University and Wits University. 
We went to Hattersall to the mines. The union certainly helped us by putting the word out there that we were doing the research. Associate Professor Jill Nelson is an epidemiologist at the Witt School of Public Health. We ended up with 187 people eventually, 187 mine workers. So we had people who'd worked there for a year, and then we also had people who'd worked there for, say, close to 40 years. So what signs did you look for? So we looked for Parkinsonian signs, which is tremor at rest, balance, stiffness in joints, the conventional Parkinsonian signs. In short, what uh, were your findings? So about 26% of the participants had Parkinsonian signs, which is That's very high. high. It's very high. We wouldn't expect that. The average age of the miners was 42. How concerning are these results in reality? So they definitely are concerning because you shouldn't have such a high prevalence of Parkinsonism in a normal population. So there's something going on. South 32 is an Australian company with a head office in Santon. We wanted to talk to them about the health risks of manganese dust exposure, but they claimed there was nobody in South Africa to interview. So we offered them a Zoom interview from Australia, but all they did is reply in writing. Exposure to manganese is managed as a material risk within our business and we take proactive steps to reduce the risk by applying controls in line with international best practice. If our workers display any symptoms of occupational illness, we take this very seriously. Appropriate care and support would be provided based on the individual circumstances. But the risk of manganese dust exposure isn't limited to the mines. It's a thousand kilometers from the manganese mines of Hotezel to Tabecha. Every day, hundreds of trucks crisscross the route, leaving dust and potholes in their wake. Small towns like Craddock and Middleburg aren't coping. Nantredo Zonki is the mayor. They are damaging almost everything. Our electric poles, the stop signs, the last straw is that they are even now getting to houses of people whilst people are asleep. Mayor, how much has the damage cost the municipality? Currently, we need more than 10 million. The trucks forge ahead, charging about 33,000 rands per round trip. Some head straight to the port but many offload in a suburb called Markman, 20 kilometers away, where the manganese is bulk stored. Compared to a few years ago, the area has gone rapidly downhill. Markman was a typical light industrial area until lockdown. Some companies moved out and the manganese handlers swooped in. This place is really a mess and it's hard to think that it can ever recover. Only one operator has a license to bulk store manganese in Markman. The others are operating on land not zoned for noxious use. And the municipality is taking legal action. 
there is even an operator that is directly opposite a food processing facility. MTN Corsi is a public health consultant focusing on food safety and hygiene. His clients in Markman have been hard hit. You know, with manganese, you are supposed to have dust suppression measures. It's supposed to be indoors, even the loading of it. So what you'd find, they've got this mountain of manganese. Outside, they are loading and there is dust that is just uncontrolled. To maintain food safety standards, everything requires constant cleaning. The damage to roads is obvious, but manganese operators say they're not entirely to blame. Chris Collett has a precast concrete products factory in a cul-de-sac. Since the manganese operators moved in, over a thousand trucks pass by every day. It's really forcing us to think about moving if the situation doesn't change. We also nowadays have to cover most of our products with uh, plastic bags. Where the stuff hasn't been covered, we've then got to wash and double handle product. So it's added cost to our production. Just explain how it affects your staff. We're very concerned about the health and welfare of our staff. You know, they complain, we don't really know what to do at this point. Environmental scientist Ronel Friend conducted small particle dust fallout tests at their premises. The magnitude of pollution is huge. The values are five times the allowed national standard. So the national standard is 1,200 milligrams per square meter per day. And what we've found here is it's more than 6,000 milligrams per square meter per day. So five times the national standard is huge. Black magic owned by the former Mr. South Africa, Paul Pume, the beauty king. This is the neighbor that Chris says has affected his business. Paul Pume invited us to an interview in Markman, but then canceled. In a written response, Black Magic state, recent air pollution tests at Chrysler Street record the max concentration of manganese is 1,185, which is within acceptable limits. According to our experts, that is not correct. The standard is not specifically for manganese, it's for total dust fallout. The actual manganese is just a quarter of the ore that it's extracted from. So the total manganese ore particles in the fallout dust is four times higher, way over the national standard. On the 2nd of August, they were still loading their trucks outside and the dust just goes everywhere. But what does this mean for people in the surrounding area? Up in Gauteng, we made a trip to Mayaton, where research shows that even low levels of manganese in the air can be dangerous to your health. This township lies next to South 32's ferromanganese smelter. Scientists measured manganese levels over a period of five years and compared them to a control site with no industrial activity. The levels in Mayerton were about 20 times higher than they were in the control site. Which may sound bad, but the manganese levels were actually very low. Professor Jill Nelson is from the Witt School of Public Health. If you compare them to the occupational 
exposure level, which is five milligrams per cubic meter, we're looking at 203 nanograms. It's much, much smaller. But one of the conclusions of our research is that even at those low levels, there may be some risk of developing Parkinsonian signs. They tested over 700 people living within a five-kilometer radius of the smelter for Parkinsonian signs. Residents living near the smelter were much slower, so their motor function was affected much slower than the control population, and their cognitive function was also uh, compromised. South 32 says community manganese dust levels are monitored and compared against an internationally accepted guidance value. Any exceedances are investigated and action response plans are developed and implemented. Meanwhile, back in Krabeja, trucks from Markman carry manganese in open skips to and from the port 24 hours a day, leaving a trail of pollution. How far are you from the port? Uh, as the crow flies, probably one kilometer. Aubrey Duplessis lives in a suburb called South End. Like many residents, he installed a water tank. This is unfit for human consumption. Rob Francis runs chartered tours around Algoa Bay on his catamaran. The yacht club is only a few hundred meters from the manganese ships and manganese dust blankets the boats. In the evenings, the boats get a little bit of dew and then it migrates down to all the horizontal spots and it corrodes the, everything that it comes into contact with. Ironically, the MMSC for Economic Development, Tourism and Agriculture, Custer Jack, also has manganese trucks. The problem is that there's a demand for manganese. The trains cannot move them and that's why you got maybe uh, half a million trucks on the road. That's not my making. No, that's not your making, but I think you must admit, Kusta, that um, it's ethically wrong, even if it is two or three trucks. It could be ethically wrong, but not from where I move from. It's a market, it's a business that is there. I got into it, that's what I did. But he's not the only politician to have jumped on the manganese bandwagon. We had a look at the national picture. United Manganese of Kalahari is one of the most profitable mines in Hardesel. Financial records show that in 2020 it paid out a staggering 2.4 billion rands in dividends. Little wonder then that it could afford a small donation of 15 million to the ANC last year. The party also received 15 million from Chancellor House, the ANC's investment vehicle. Chancellor House owns 22% of UMK Mine. Today, at the request of the United States Department of Justice, Spanish authorities seized a superyacht belonging to a sanctioned Russian oligarch. That yacht belonged to Victor Vexelberg, their joint venture partner. It's well documented that he owned 49% of UMK until US sanctions forced him to restructure his shareholding. UMK says Vexelberg does not own any direct interest in UMK and is an economic beneficiary of a trust that owns less than 25% of UMK. 
Chancellor House and the ANC did not respond. A new 17 million ton manganese terminal is planned for Nuka, but the contractor will only be appointed next year. After that, Transnet says the design and construction will take place for almost four to five years. But from what we saw, there won't be much left of Markman by then. This story certainly kicked up some dust in the manganese sector. Following our two-month investigation, the Nelson Mandela Bay Metro resolved to shut down all non-compliant manganese operators in Markman. Furthermore, some legal operators have also indicated their intention to move to other sites outside of Markman. Furthermore, the Democratic Alliance in the Eastern Cape has launched a PIA application to force the Metro to hand over a 2021 air pollution monitoring study report, which, according to the municipality, found worryingly high levels of manganese ore dust in the air. We'll be providing further updates on this ever-developing story in the weeks to come. Thanks for joining yet another episode of Carte Blanche, the podcast. Keep the conversation going online. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't forget to rate and review us. Your feedback is always appreciated. And subscribe to our podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode. 